We're going to talk a little bit about encouragement today. And when, when you come to church, you know, I, I think it's really, really important uh, for you to begin to have your, your hope lifted up, um, you know, and you to be encouraged in a great way to put uh, your faith in God in a powerful, powerful way and let God do some amazing, amazing things in your life. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture to find encouragement. And it's found in your Bible in the book of of first Samuel. And if you got your Bibles with you and you want to go ahead and, and open it up uh, to first Samuel, we're going to be uh, camped out a little while in first Samuel chapter 30 verses one through through a six. And we're going to kind of read that here in just a few moments. So go ahead and, and, and mark that in, in your Bible. You know, I know that what happens in a lot of people's life throughout the week, even sometimes on Sunday, uh, as you're trying to get ready to attend church, maybe you experience chaos. And we have been in this little teaching series. We're talking about chaos and how chaos affects us all in different ways, at different times, at different levels. But I do want us to find encouragement in the chaos. Did you know you can find encouragement in the chaos. But lots of times when we're looking for encouragement, what we're doing is uh, we're looking lots of times to other people to give us encouragement. And though, you know, my wife is an incredible encourager to me. There's just sometimes, you know what, she just can't infuse what I need. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She tries her best, but we can't always get encouragement from our family, can we? Some of us get discouraged from our family. We can't always find encouragement from our friends, from our families. We can't find encouragement from our jobs. We can't find encouragement from the growth of our bank account. So we look at these outside things many times and, and try to find encouragement. But we're going to look at this passage today and we're going to learn that Real encouragement to get through whatever circumstance, whether it's a valley or a mountaintop, is, is really found in understanding who God is, understanding what God's plan is for your life, and being focused on eternal things. Lots of times we're looking for a crown in life, but we're not wanting to do the crunches that it takes to get the crown. How many of you know it takes crunches to get a crown? In other words, you've got to get through the crunches in order to experience the crown. Now, I've been working out a little bit, and I've been doing crunches, and I've got a six-pack under this baggy shirt right here. I don't let you see it today. I don't want you to see my crown. All right? Just teasing. You know, as many crunches, Anthony, as I try to do, at 52, I just can't seem to get them ripples in my stomach. What do you think the problem is? You got the same problem. I just, I was wondering. But how many of you know that as you, as you do crunches a lot of times, something's going on the inside, but everybody can't see the result on the outside. But what happens a lot of times is 
We want what on the, on, is happening on the outside to change the inside when in reality what's on the inside needs to change what is on the outside. And no matter what is going on on the outside, you can still, still keep growing on the inside and find an encouragement from what's inside of you. And really this is what this story teaches us today is there's a man named David and before he got the crown of being king over all of Israel. He had a calling on his life, but he had to go through some crunches in life to be crowned as king. And the Bible teaches us as we look into the Old Testament at the journey and the life of Israel, that there's a lot of things we can learn today in this day and age after the ascension of Christ in our spiritual life. In other words, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament, as we look at that physical journey that the Israelites had in the Old Testament that those are like snapshots for us to glean into to learn about what God is doing in our life spiritually today. And so when we go back and we look at this story that God unfolded through the nation of Israel, what it should do to you in your spiritual life if you're a believer is it should encourage you to look deep within and begin to glean from those Old Testament scriptures and apply them to your new life found in Christ. And so here at Barefoot Church, a lot of times we go back into the story and we pull out the principles and then we turn around and we imply, we apply the principles to our current situation. And we're all on a journey, right? We're on this journey called life. But I got to declare to you today that God says, even at the end of this journey, this, this physical journey, that, that there's going to be a time when, you know what, you're going to have the opportunity to receive a crown. And it's going to be an amazing crown. But depending on how you have done the crunches of life will really set up the crown that you're going to receive. Now, as we look at the Old Testament, there were two kings. The nation of Israel wanted a king. In other words, they wanted a king because they wanted to be like the other nations of the world. And God was literally their king. But they said, you know, God, we don't really want you to be our king. We want a, a physical king. So God says, okay, I'm going to give you a physical king. And if we look at that journey and the setting up of the kings in the nation of Israel, what we learn is this. Is we learn that God did give them a king. And their first king, his name was Saul. And if you look at the life of Saul in that journey, Saul would be the king that represents uh, a, a fleshly king or our fleshly life in the spiritual life. And then we see a, a voice for God come in the middle of, of Saul being king and also this new king that God was going to appoint named David and the voice into those two kings' life, his name was Samuel. And then if you look at, at King David's life, who later became the king, we see him following God with his life. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And so, big picture, if you began to look at the comparison of these two kings, King Saul and King David, and the voice of God, Samuel, who was a prophet, speaking into these, these two kings' life, what you'll begin to understand is, is that there was kind of a, a battle going on between the fleshly king and 
the new king that was being appointed by God. Now, what I want to declare to you today is there's a battle going on inside of your heart and life too. It's God's trying to set up, set up a kingdom. And there's a fleshly king inside of each one of us. And those who have believed in Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual king that's trying to basically be appointed over the fleshly king, but the fleshly king continually fights against the spiritual king in our own heart as God begins to try to speak to us. And there's this battle continually going on in our heart and in our life. And really, we we find this to be a chaotic situation. A New Testament writer spoke about that. He talked about the the different ways he felt. He wanted to put the deeds of the flesh to death, so to say, and he wanted the life of Christ to be found and and grow, but he he always had this battle going on within, and and I'm sure that you have that same battle going on within you too. However, if you're going to get through the chaos, what you can't do is let the fleshly king dominate the spiritual king of your heart and your life. Now, as we look at the life of David, David is actually a type of Christ too, but if you have life in Christ, you can apply David's life to your own life. And I know what we learn from this passage of scripture is the crown that David received did not come without crunches and difficult circumstances and situations because God had to build something in David for David to receive the crown that God had for him uh, to have. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to understand something. God is trying to build something in you too. He's trying to build his nature inside of your life. As a matter of fact, that is uh, what God said he created humans for, is to permeate who he is into this earth. The Bible says that God created humans in his image, in his likeness in Genesis chapter 1. And the reason God created humans in his likeness is so Humans could permeate who God is into this earth. However, humans have gone their own way. They've become their own king. Anybody know anybody that's their own king? Everybody has a kingdom, but the choice is, is who rules your kingdom? And so Saul wanted to rule his own kingdom. He did a lot of things right, but we see that he was against the kingdom that God was trying to set up, and Saul represents what happens in many of our lives, and we find that Saul finally dies, and David is finally crowned king. But that battle on the way to getting that crown was a difficult process, a lot of chaos. And the Bible says it is at this place called Ziglag that David teaches us Basically, how to be encouraged from within with the God within each one of us if we have believed in Jesus Christ instead of being encouraged by the circumstances in the situation. Let's look at the passage. First Samuel is where we pick it up. This is before David was ever crowned king of Israel. The Bible says this in First Samuel chapter 30. It says, three days later, David had been out fighting a battle for a foreign king. When David and his men arrived, at, arrived home at their town of Ziglag, so Ziglag was a town that this foreign king had given David. David and his people had set up their home there for one year and four months. And the Bible says, 
that they came home and they found the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziglag, and the Amalekites had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. Chaotic situation. Difficult circumstance. David had been out helping another king. He comes back to his city with his warriors and his men and another enemy had slipped in and burned their entire homestead, their entire city to the ground. And the Bible says that these people, they carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. In other words, they, they experienced pain. They had lost their stuff. They had lost their livelihood. They had lost their city. They had lost their children. They had lost their spouses. They had disappeared. They were out fighting. Anybody been fighting lately? And as they were out fighting, the enemy slips in and begins to cause major chaos behind the scene and strips them of everything. And then the Bible goes on to say, it says, they wept until they could weep no more. Look at your neighbor and say, have you been doing your crunches? Ask them, have you been doing your crunches? You know, crunches will make you weep. I'm talking about those physical crunches. I mean, I can go to the gym and it starts out pretty, pretty easy. You know what I'm saying? You pick up your feet. And you, oh. Oh. So, so all you short people know, it's harder for a tall person to do crunches than it is a short person. We've got more hanging out here, okay? More. Anyway, so you, you're doing crunches. And it gets painful. You know what I'm saying? And you want to quit. You want to you stop. But, but if you realize what's going on on the inside and you don't, don't let the pain and the difficulty and the tears and the sweat and all of that stuff stop you from doing the crunches, you'll keep pushing. And one day, there'll be a crown. Come on. There'll be muscles built underneath what's going on on the outside. I need to get more regular at doing that. But the crunches can make you weep. That's my point here. And they can make you cry. And the difficult things in life can do the same thing. We have different circumstances, we cry. But what I want to encourage you in today is when those things come, and they will come, it's okay to cry on your towel, but don't you throw in your towel. Don't you quit. Don't you pull over to the side. Remember that the God in you is greater, 
than what is happening to you. And there is a crown waiting for all of those who faithfully trust in who Christ is and what he has done and what he is going to do. The Bible says that Christians are to eagerly wait upon the return of Christ. If you look at the New Testament, the Bible says, you know what, in all the difficult circumstances, in all the crunches, I'm talking about pressure that somehow, some way, many of these New Testament writers who experienced Christ when he was in a crunch in a garden and defeated death and resurrected from a grave, they saw that happen. And somehow, some way, that encouraged them inside of them that when they were in a difficult circumstance, in a crunch in life, that they could find the same encouragement that got him through the difficult circumstance of a cross. And they could somehow muster up the courage inside of them and cry on their own towel. It may be full of blood, blood sweat and tears, but they didn't throw in the towel because the Bible says they are eagerly waiting on the return of a king to crown them with a crown of righteousness. Come on, somebody. So you got to get your vision right and your focus right. And, and David, he comes back and these people had stripped them of the physical things that, that they had been given. And the Bible says they weep till they can weep no more. But what makes David different is David doesn't become bitter in that chaotic circumstance, in that crunch. It's a major crunch. He becomes better. And I wonder if you're going to become better or you're going to become bitter. Because I believe this with all of my heart. It's all of from where you find your encouragement that gives you the ability to either become better or become bitter. And the Bible says that a lot of these people became bitter when they lost stuff because, because they didn't find their encouragement basically from the same place that David found his encouragement. Now, if you look at the life of David, he had every reason to be bitter. As a young kid, his, his brothers basically ridiculed him, talked about him, did all kinds of things. In other words, he wasn't always well thought of as a younger brother in his family. It's interesting. You know, that, that can bring discouragement to a lot of our life, can't it? But David didn't look at it as a discouragement. He looked at it as a crunch. And he understood that it was a crown. The Bible even goes on to say that, you know, even the, the king of Israel, that fleshly king, Saul, he at one time loved David, but then he became against David and he chased David all around the country, even though David had done miraculous things for the nation of Israel. Uh, Saul hated him so much he was trying to kill David. And it's actually the reason David had moved down to Ziglag. He was escaping his own nation. Come on. What if your nation denied you? And basically... Uh, they were chasing you around because you were trying to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. However, those in authority didn't like you and you became a fugitive in a foreign land. And by the way, the foreign land 
was ruled and reigned by a group of people called the Philistines who he had killed their, one of their leaders earlier on. And so David found himself thinking to himself, it's better to leave this, this land that I'm in and my Saul kill me then I'll take my chances and I'll go down to the Philistine territory and maybe I can make it there and, and do a few things. And the Bible says that's why he ended up in this place called Ziglag. You know, there a year and four months. But then he chose to kind of help out some and help the kings fight and many, many things. He was still for his people and he was fighting for his people and doing all this kind of stuff. But if there was ever a man who had the opportunity to throw in the towel and quit on life, the calling that God had on his life, his name was David. But David had something different in him than everybody else did. He had a calling by God. He had a crown that was going to be put on his head by God. He didn't have to force it. He didn't have to buy it. He didn't have to act for it. All he understood is God told me who I was going to be. Come on. God needs to tell somebody today who they're going to be. God told me who I'm going to be. And the freaking leader can chase me around all he wants. The enemy can talk about me. My brothers can hate me. My friends can, can diss me when our city is gone. But I know who I am. I know who's I. I am and I'm going to stay and not throw in the towel because God called me to it. I'm going to do the crunches. Somebody need to hear that today. Because you know what? Everything in the world is coming against you. And you're like, you know, I just can't do the crunches anymore. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Let me encourage you today. Don't throw in the towel yet. Let's pick up the towel. Let's keep moving forward. Let's keep our focus on what really matters and what is still yet to come. My friend, life has circumstances. Life has difficult relationships. Life has hard days and difficult moments. But let the same one who encouraged David encourage you today. Because it will begin to change your life. I am a work in progress. And I am learning that when no one else will encourage you, there is encouragement that will come from the Lord. But you've got to let that encouragement infuse you and know who the Lord says you are in the process. Look what it says. It says they cared off their families. They wept. They were crying. David's two wives, Ahinanam and Abigail, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter. I told you sometimes circumstances can make you bitter or it can make you better. He says they were bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began talking about killing David. So now, you know what? They became bitter, and they're talking about even killing David. But David found his strength in the Lord. He found encouragement in the Lord. Now, that's a, a little sentence in our Bible, but it's a powerful sentence. Because 
as I look at that, I'm like, man, you know, David had a rough, rough time. He had a bad day, bad week, bad month. A bad several years, actually. Come on. Did you know your life has seasons? But you'll never bear fruit unless you learn how to walk through the seasons. And there's seasons for everything. There's winter seasons, there's spring seasons, there's fall seasons. But my friend, you've got to stay rooted in who God says you are in all seasons in order to produce fruit in the good season. And, and, and what happens a lot of times, you know, we never ever see the crown that God wants to really put on us in, in, in life and in eternal things because we don't stay the course. We throw in the towel. We give up on God. And I want to declare to you, God has never given up on you. However, the Bible says he found encouragement and he found his strength in the Lord. That's a power-packed sentence. Because I'm going, why did David find strength in the Lord and nobody else did? And as I went back and I examined the passage, I'm going to give you a few reasons why I believe. Because the Bible, let's go back to that one sentence that says, but David found strength in the Lord, his God. Not Israel's God, not the church's God. Though it was Israel's God and it is the church's God. The Bible says that David personalized that. He found encouragement in his God. Have you found encouragement in your God? Have you found strength from God himself in your own personal life? What, what this tells me is God is personal. He is the nation of, or the God of the human race. He is the God of the nation of Israel. He is the God of the church. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But David personalizes this and said, I got infused with courage from my God. He is my personal God. I'm in a personal relationship with this God. Did you know there's a lot of people walk in churches every single week and they learn all about God? <laughs> These other men knew who God was. They knew, they knew him as, a, as the nation's God. The Bible even says the demons of hell know who God is. But what, where you find encouragement is when you let God personalize who he is in your life. And this is why at church you hear them talk a lot of times about a personal relationship. You hear church leaders like myself a lot of times talk about, you know, it's not about religion and rituals. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And a lot of us are doing religious activity, but we're not in that intimate relationship where we get that courage from within because we have personally met God. And I want to be clear today how you personally meet God. You receive his gift, his invitation in your life. And it's by faith. And the gift, his name is Jesus. And God wanted to personalize things for you today. He wanted to personalize things for, for you folks sitting around the back today. And he wanted you to understand that the reason he 
put on skin and came and allowed himself to be nailed on a cross as he wanted to personalize his love for each and every one of us. And because we have all chose to be the king of our own life, we've all gone our own way and done our own thing, God says, I'm going to come and do something about that, and I'm going to show you some amazing love on a cross. And because you have chose to be your own king, you have separated yourself from me, an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at one time God. We call that sin. Sin is separation from God. And the reason we are separated from God is we have all chosen to go our own way and be the own, our own king of our own life and try to figure it out. And God says, no, no, no. I'm going to send my love into the situation and I'm going to pay the price for humanity so that they can come back to me. Don't miss this message. And have you received his gift of salvation? His name is Jesus because the whole reason that Jesus came down on the cross wasn't because it felt good. It was so that you could know that God is good. And he cares more about you in your zigzag circumstance than you even care about yourself. And he comes to your life in the middle of any crisis or any mountain or any valley with the love of Christ and he offers it up to you personally. And some of us are trying to put grandma's faith as our faith. And though grandma's faith could encourage you to put faith in Jesus, I just need you to know that God's personal and you can't ride on grandma's faith to come into a relationship with God. You can't ride on your denomination's beliefs and faith to come into a personal relationship with God. It is personal. And everybody has to make the personal decision whether the trust, if, if God showed love on that cross for their sin, their miss, was it for you or was it just for everybody else? And I got the audacity to believe that his love was for me. If I was the only person on the planet, I missed as far as anybody could miss. But God's love on a cross was good enough for me. And my faith is in his gift of grace grace is yours and then the bible goes on to say that he resurrected from a grave three days later and that shows you that god is more powerful than anything else death itself separate physical death itself and any sin that you have ever committed and so if you are still dreaming of being king of your own life and you have never made Jesus the king of your life and begin to find encouragement from him in these difficult circumstances that you face in life, then I just want to encourage you today to look at the life of David because everybody else became bitter. You know, there's a lot of bitter people in churches. 
Look around sometimes, it looks like a lot of people have been baptized in lemon juice. And the reason they're bitter is they're trying to find their encouragement from the wrong sources instead of looking within and having that personal relationship with God and find their encouragement in what God has done, pay close attention, but also what God is still going to do. Because David believed and had audacity enough to believe that God hasn't only done one thing in his life, but God was going to finish what he started, complete the good work that he started in him. And if you want to keep going through the situations and circumstances, I got to declare to you today that crisis moments and crunches are going to show up. But you have to find encouragement from God and God alone. Personal relationship. You got to know that God is stable. And guess what? If he is stable, if he said something, he's going to do something. And you need to keep that in mind as you're going through the challenges and don't let the challenges defeat you, but you let the God who is in you encourage you to get back up and keep moving and not throw in the towel and you begin to understand the circumstances don't define you, but the God in you defines you and he is a stable God. Some of the New Testament writers call this the fight of faith. Faith in God is a fight. It's a battle. It's not just a prayer. It's not just a statement. You have to fight. Fight with everything that's in you. Let God fight for you. Begin to trust God in all circumstances and situations. I understand there's some horrific things that go on around us, in us, but God is still there. And at the end of this life, there is a God who makes a promise for all of those who remain faithful, endure to the end. Remain faithful, endure to the end. Trust me, trust me, trust me. They will receive the crown of righteousness. <laughs> and I, I believe we as a church, we need to keep inviting people to come to God. It's an invitation, man. Come to God no matter who you are. Come to God. Come to God. Put your faith in Jesus. Trust Jesus. Let him become the king of your life. Let him forgive you of all your sin. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. There needs to be the voice in the kingdom also saying, just because you come to God, what I need you to understand is the God in you is greater than the one that lives around you. He who is in you is greater than he who lives in the world. And my friend, pick up yourself and trust the Lord and encourage yourself in the Lord. And don't you pull over to the side. Don't you quit. You endure to the end. You fight the good fight of faith and you finish the race because there's a crown coming. There's a crown coming. And if you don't set your heart and mind upon the eternal crown God has in store for you, this life will pin you to the wall and keep you stalemated and not pursuing all the good things that God has in store for you. And I am here to declare on the authority of God's word 
that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is stable. He has not changed his mind about the human race. And he will do what he says he will do. He will permeate this earth with his presence. In the process, though, you and I have the choice whether to throw in our towel and say, you know, to hail with it. I'm just going to do my own thing and be my own king. Or we're going to say, God, I surrender to you. And I'm going to let you be the king of my life. And I'm going to carry out your plan all the days of my life. And you know what? When I get to the end of my life, I may have some sweat, some tears, some blood, a little bit of snot on my towel. However, when I present myself before the Lord, because I found encouragement from the gift that he sent through Christ Jesus, and I endured in all circumstances because I believe Christ triumphs over my circumstances, that I'll stand before the Lord and I will hear the voice of my Lord and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in and receive the crown of life. Do you trust that? Do you believe that? No matter what's going on. Because David had the audacity to believe that God was personal. God would do what he said he would do. And it's at Ziglag that we find that God shows up and basically delivers the crown. I'm talking about at the bottom of the barrel. We find that eventually David gets word that Saul, 2 Samuel, that Saul is dead. And now he is going to be able to be crowned as king. The very one that had been chasing him around, chased him out of town. Now he is dead. And it's where David picks up the crown that God had promised years and years before and moves back to to Hebron and begins to be the, the king of Judah, eventually the king of all of Israel, and begins to unite the people together for a common cause. But can I tell you something? The crown didn't come without crunches. It didn't come without difficult days and difficult circumstances. It didn't come without about a fleshly king chasing the God in David. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was running hard after the things of God. Yes, he made mistakes. He fell down. But he always got back up and he lived out who God said he was. And he believed in the crown that God had promised him. He believed in the calling on his life. And he didn't let the crunches keep him from experiencing the crown. I wonder if you need to make a decision today. To move through your zigzag. And though there may be a painful moment, you need to find encouragement from God today by making God your personal God and understand that He is stable. And what you may be ready to give up on, He hadn't given up on you. I wonder if you need to make a decision of faith today, is what we call it, is to trust in God over the chaos in your current situation. And God is the giver of all good blessings. 
But do we understand what the blessings are for and the cost of the blessings? Because the blessings that God gives all his people came through the cost of a high calling uh, that caused his son to die on a cross and give his life to go through a tremendous crunch. Did you know that Jesus didn't die on a cross because it felt good? And sometimes the things that you and I have to go through don't feel good. But he died on a cross because it was the calling on his life that superseded what he felt. And the Bible says because of the joy set before him, he endured. Somebody say endure today. He went through the crunch in order to get the crown. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he could see past the crunch to the resurrection and he saw if he resurrected and defeated death, sin, the grave, the suffering, and he resurrected from a grave that you may be sitting in this seat today and you put your faith in who he is and find your encouragement from what he has done on a cross and his resurrection. And if you believe that, today you need to understand that's the joy that was set before him he knew that humans would make decisions to follow after him and find encouragement in all circumstances because of who he is so the question is is when you get to the place of being called into eternity are you going to stand before god with your towel, your life, and say, God, here is my clean and beautiful life. Look at all of these good things I have done. Let me into your kingdom. Give me my eternal. Is this how you're going to show up when it's time to receive the crown of righteousness? And if that is how you're going to show up today, I just want to declare to you today that you will hear these words, depart from me, for I never knew you. However, if you're going to show up and you say, God, I've trusted in what you did for me on a cross through Christ Jesus. As you push through the pain, you push through the crunches. And because you pushed through and defeated all of that and resurrected from a grave, I trust you did it for me personally. You're stable. You're resurrected from a grave. You're going to resurrect my life too. And I'm going to put my faith in that. And I'm going to remain faithful through all circumstances and all challenges. And when I get to the end of my life, Life, it's, I'm going to be able to stand before God and say, I poured out my life like a drink offering and got my encouragement from you every day. And here is my life. Here is my towel. I didn't throw it in. And can I tell you what you're going to hear? Well done. My good and faithful servant. 
you trusted me and you found your encouragement from me and you didn't give up and you didn't quit and you didn't try to earn it on your own and you didn't try to present yourself before me on your own merit, but you did it on my power. And because you got your encouragement from me all the days of your life and you remain faithful, welcome into my kingdom. Here is your crown of righteousness, my well done and good and faithful servant. You did good. Man, I'm telling you, there's a crown waiting. There's a crown waiting for every last one of us. If we will endure We'll keep going. We won't pull over to the side. We'll permeate this earth with God's amazing presence. Don't you let the circumstance make you throw in the towel. You believe God. Believe he trumped your sin. Believe he trumped the grave. Believe he trumped death. And he did it all because he saw you personally sitting here today. Man, the question is, is are you going to have the words the writer wrote Timothy as you prepare to depart this earth and be able to say this Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 he says as for me my life has already been poured out as an offering to God he said the time of my death here on earth is near he says man I've fought the good fight I've finished the race and I've remained faithful And now the prize awaits for me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. See, see the key is, is to put your faith in who Christ is. He's already paid for sin on the cross. Put your faith in that and trust it. He is calling the church out to put God into this world. Stay faithful. Don't give up and don't quit. Hang on to your life no matter what comes. And then as you do that, I think the main thing to look forward to is not just the next gig, not next, not just the next job or the Next great day without a headache. Though all of those things would be amazing, I think the thing to look forward to is to Christ's return. Because he says, all of those who eagerly await the return of Christ. And the question is, is what is your hope in? What is your faith in? Is it in the return of Christ? he comes back and he begins to deliver out those kingdom rewards and those kingdom crowns or is it or is it in something else and I want to give you an opportunity today to put your faith in Christ and begin the relationship but as you begin that relationship I want you to understand that God's going to give you the power the power of the spirit the voice of God to speak into your life and the reason the spirit of God comes to speak into your life and my life is so we can put we can put the old life to death and we can rise up in the new life that comes through knowing who God is. And as you do this journey called life, I want you to understand there's an end to all of this. And there's a day that he's going to deliver the crowns to all of his children and all of his people. And I can't even imagine what that day is going to look like. Let me pray for you. 
God, you're a loving God. You're a caring God and you care about every person here. God, I thank you for this story in the Old Testament. This physical story that illustrates so much to us spiritually. And God, if there's one here today who has not put their faith and trust in you personally, as we have shared the best way we know how, the good news of who Jesus Christ is and why he came to earth and put on skin and died on a cross and resurrected from a grave. God, I pray that that person has never put their faith in Jesus, that it would get nailed down today and they would begin to find encouragement that can only come from the Lord. God, if that person today is in here and they've been trying so hard on their own power and their own merit and their own flesh to do what is right, God, I just pray they would trust the righteous judge. His name is Jesus. And that God, they would let him become the king of their heart today. The king of their life. The savior, the rescuer. My friend, that's why he came. He came to meet you where you are today in your zigzag and rescue you and begin to deliver the crown that he has in store for you into your hands. If that is you today, just simply right where you sit, say, God, I trust Jesus today. Trust what he did for me. I trust that he's gonna return for me. And today I put my faith in who he is. Tell God you wanna remain faithful. You want the spirit of God to encourage you all the days of your life. You wanna submit to his authority. Tell God, thank you for this gift. This amazing gift, only the good gift that can come from above. Tell God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Tell God, thank you for the gift of the Spirit of God. Tell God, thank you that he wants to use you to permeate his presence in the earth. My friend, as you thank God, I invite you today to not stop there, but make a commitment. Make a commitment right now, a covenant with the God you just prayed to. And tell God that no matter what the circumstances, you're gonna draw upon him each and every day of your life. You're gonna commit to his ways. You're gonna begin to follow after him even when you fall and make a mistake. You're gonna get back up and you're gonna join his church, wherever that may be around this world. And you're gonna carry out his purpose. Make that commitment today, nail it down. Make that covenant, that agreement with God. I think so many people are thankful for what Jesus did. But as you come under his authority, settle that thing, man. Nothing else trumps who God is in your life. And you're committed to God. He's your God. He's your personal God. God, I thank you for everybody who said that prayer today and believe that. And God, the rest of us, let us be encouraged in our faith and endure. In Jesus' name, amen.